0: I just wanted to take the time to learn, to learn everything I could. I knew that like my monetary situation wouldn't last forever and I knew that I could get investors, et cetera. However, I didn't feel right with my would just like with my own like moral beliefs to like take someone else's money and invest it when I hadn't put my my own on the line. Like I didn't have any skin in the game yet. I didn't have that like expertise. I didn't have that network. I hadn't built a skill set where I could sit across from someone and say, hey yeah, I can offer you an opportunity that I'm confident in because at that time I was still operating based on theory, you know? I'm
1: Neil. And I'm Brittany. We are a family on a journey towards financial and location independence. Each week we interview successful real estate entrepreneurs about their chosen investment strategy and rate it based on how much money it took to get started, how long it took to educate themselves, how passive it is, and whether or not they could do it from anywhere in the world.
2: Welcome to the Road to Family Freedom.
1: Before we begin this week's show, I'd like to make you an offer, a free 30 minute call with me. We've been doing weekly chats with other real estate investors for months now, and the response has been great, but we're going to change things up a bit and focus. We are buying self-storage facilities. We have a great partner in North Carolina with a great track record of success, a background in construction, and we're partnering up to help him expand his portfolio. If you have an interest in learning more about investing in self-storage on the active side, on the passive side, whatever your level of interest, we want to talk to you. There's no pitch here. We're not selling a coaching program. This is just a chance for us to network with other investors interested in self-storage. Also, if you're a current self-storage owner, we'd love to chat with you and perhaps have you as a guest on our show. If all that sounds like something you'd be interested in, go to roadtofamilyfreedom.com/self-storage-call and schedule a call there. I look forward to speaking with you.
2: All right, enough out of us. Let's hit the road to family freedom.
1: Greetings, friends and families. I'm Neil. And I'm Brittany. You're listening to the Road to Family Freedom podcast. Our guest this week is the owner of Griffix Property Group. She retired from nearly a decade of playing tennis professionally at the age of 23. At 23, she found herself with no career, no real savings and a sixth grade education. Fast forward 10 years and she has an MBA from Villanova, no student debt, a successful career in corporate finance and a growing real estate portfolio that's at seven doors and growing at the moment. Sunitha Rao, welcome to the Road to Family Freedom. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. It's good to see you again. Uh, Sunita and I met, as many of our guests we have interviewed over the uh, recent uh, episodes, I met her at the Best Ever Conference in uh, Colorado, Mm -hmm. and uh, back when the world was a little more normal, (laughs) (laughs) and things have have, uh, gotten a little crazy since then, so uh, how uh, So you started exploring real estate investing in 2016 as i understand it mm-hmm. um, do you recall what it was that made you decide real estate i'm going to pursue real estate
0: i think i was just looking for more options i was working in the corporate life i had started grad school and i was just spending all of my time um days nights weekends trying to climb that corporate ladder trying to fulfill like my ambitions my sense of achievement and also trying to just create something for myself. But it seemed like the more that I gave, the more that all those resources took from me. And the next thing I knew, my work came before everything in my life, my friends, my family, anything that I cared about. And um, while I still work very hard because I love that sense of achievement, um, I knew that I needed a different option so that I could have um, the ability to make Different decisions in the future, right now, or at that time, it was all the decisions I I was making was because of my job, and that was because I was under the constraints of time and money, you know. And so um, I wanted to be able to control my finances a little bit more and not just be reliant on that paycheck, so that I could do other things with my money and maybe gain back, win back some of my time.
1: Yeah. You know, one of the years ago, it's probably a decade ago that I remember reading an article about um, passive income and work and and talking about how there's only, there's only so many hours in a day that you can work. And for Mm -hmm. someone who, um, for someone who's, let's say a massage therapist, there's only so many clients that you can see in a day, but if you make, uh, I don't know if you make massage. If you're someone who who makes and sells massage oil, then I don't know why it went to this rabbit hole of massage. But whatever, <laughs> you get my point. Is that like when you make when you
0: yes. so it's not you, scalable, right? It's like not scalable. Exactly. How much you earn is directly tied to the time that you put in, and honestly, like. With the corp- the corporate world has been good to me, but at the same time, I almost feel like there's a little bit of that inverse re- relationship with the corporate world because the more money you make and the more you climb up the ladder, the more time you need to put in. So it's almost sometimes like you're making less money or getting less returns for your time. Yeah. I mean, the math does not quite work out like that, but that's certainly how it feels.
1: <laughs> yeah. Um, go ahead.
2: Did you have another question? Nope, I did
1: not. Okay. <laughs> <laughs>
2: um so you went from being interested in real estate and it took you about two years to purchase your first property um did something hold you back from going into that immediately
0: yeah so it took me a little bit of time to to focus on real estate I didn't I was in finance and the corporate arena but corporate financial planning is very different from personal finance I had no idea what I was going to do I barely like understood the different mechanisms available to me. I like had a fundamental understanding of my 401k and that was pretty much it. So I ended up going into real estate or being interested in real estate because of what, um, you just mentioned, it was, um, like the scalability, the ability to front load a lot of work and then have that free time because like I wanted, I wanted a way to, to have that time. Right. And mm-hmm. right now I don't have that many responsibilities. Like I don't have children or anything like that. So why not do something, take on some strategy where I can work really hard now. And then when I need back that time to devote to something more important, I can have it. So I chose real. It took a little bit of time to, to actually choose real estate. And then I was in grad school. So like I had no money. <laughs> so I, was like, I was working full time. I was trying to get through school. I also didn't have to, I also didn't have time. So like those two constraints came up again. Um, and so I just wanted to take the time to learn, to learn everything I could. I knew that like my monetary situation wouldn't last forever. And I knew that I could get investors, et cetera. However, I didn't feel right with my, with just like with my own, like moral beliefs to like take someone else's money and invest it when I hadn't put my, my own on the line. Like Mm -hmm. I didn't have any skin in the game yet. I didn't have that like expertise. I didn't have that network. I hadn't built a skill set where I could sit across from someone and say, Hey, yeah, I can offer you an opportunity that I'm confident in because at that time I was still operating based on theory, you know? Mm -hmm. So it just took, it took, it took that time to like squirrel away a little bit of money after every paycheck that didn't go to like my tuition and, and my rent and everything else. Cause I was living in Boston and that's just like awful (laughs) in terms of (laughs) cost of living. Um, so it took me about two years to do that. And then, um, to figure out exactly where my market was going to be exactly who I was going to invest with, build a team and just go from basically knowing nothing to having everything in place to be able to execute efficiently or as efficiently as a new investor can can execute.
1: (laughs) Gotcha. So walk us through the numbers on that, on your first purchase. Like what was the purchase price? How much did you have to come to the table with?
0: Yeah, so this is actually one of my favorites. Um, I say this about all of them, so don't mind me. <laughs> um, so it was, it was um, an MLS listing that I saw like two months before it went off market, and I was like, oh darn. And then, um, but I wasn't that upset because I didn't realize how, much, how good of a deal it was until later because I was still learning. And then I kept thinking about that house. I was like, if I hadn't hesitated, if I hadn't hesitated, and then it came back on the market. So um, it was. Um, a two-one main house with a detached carriage house in the back, and this was in one of the more, probably the most affluent county, right outside Indianapolis in the Indianapolis MSA. And um, like the towns next door had been voted like best place in America to live, blah blah blah, by like Forbes and Money Magazine. Those were overpriced. This one was like
1: adjacent. The, the
0: ch- yeah, it was adjacent. It it didn't have it had the same school system. It just didn't hadn't appreciated quite as much as. Um, all the infrastructure that had built up the other towns had allowed it to kind of like work out. That sentence made no sense. okay. It's all good. <laughs> but, but anyway, it had like the same characteristics. So like I was really stoked to be getting into this um, at a price point of 95000 So that I went in full asking. I didn't care. Like, and a lot of people will try to like get the best deal and deals are important, but deals are only important if you can make them happen. You know, so if you're like trying to skin off 4000 here, like trying to get the commission down, trying to like win-win, make it easy, save your energy, move on, <laughs> you know. So I went in at ninety-five. dollars um, I conventionally financed that one, so put 25% down. Um, the, the, the carriage house was derelict. Um, it hadn't been used in years. I'm literally still making updates to it today, even though like it's gone over, um, gone through several renovations. And I think I put about a total of $12,000 cash into the rehab of both places. Mm -hmm. Um, since then the main house has been an absolute dream. So I got a two year tenant in right after about a month after the rehab finished, I think. Um, and their lease had just came up for renewal or is coming up for renewal next month. They've already, um, come forward and said they want to, they want to renew already. So that's like three years, no vacancies. Mm -hmm. My other unit is a little bit less of a dream, um, Mm -hmm. because it is, it's a one bedroom, one bathroom. And as you know, like those smaller, those smaller spaces, they have more transient tenants. You know, you don't have like six kids that you have to like pack up everything for and leave. So uh, I like not leave, move with (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but um so I had like a younger like professional and she moved out I turned that one into an Airbnb and um turned that into an Airbnb last fall it was doing pretty well mm-hmm. now I have like a medium term tenant in um the profits are better than they were as a long-term rental less than they were as a short-term rental I think we're all just trying to figure out what this environment we're working yeah. with yeah is gonna be like so that's why it's, that one's been a little bit tougher but um Overall, like at a ninety-five thousand dollar like you price, like I'm getting eight forty for rents on the one side, and then a minimum minimum as a long term rental of five hundred on the on the um, on the carriage house. So we're looking at a little bit more than one point three percent like price to rent. And given that it's in like a solid B plus area. Oh, and the best part, the best part, I forgot about this. Um. So I bought it at 95 last year. I took all of my doors, found a portfolio lender to do a commercial refi um, because they put it under a different, my weighted interest rate went lower. And then they'd be able to give me a line of credit against the equity of my properties. That that property in particular, a year a half later, was worth 45% more than I purchased it at.
1: Wow. So mm-hmm.
0: it's cash flowing and yeah.
1: So you, you used a, you mentioned a term here that I want to circle back and make sure people understand when you talked about the rent to price ratio at Mm 1.3%. Can you explain for somebody who maybe doesn't, hasn't, isn't all that experience in real estate, what you're referring to?
0: Yeah. So that's kind of like one of the first things I kind of look at to determine if it's, 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 you need to run the numbers much more precisely, but if I can't get like 1%. So if it's, if the property we will use big numbers, it's like a hundred thousand dollars. I need to get at least a thousand dollars a month. That's kind of like what I'm, what I'm looking at. If it's less than that, it better be in like a really good area, you know, like a plus area where I know people are going to come for the schools and stay there for the four years that their kids in high school or something like that. Because like, then at least I know I won't, I won't say no, I won't, but it's less likely that I'll have like the vacancy and turnover costs. Um, so that'll, that'll make my numbers, my numbers higher and, or depending on where we are on the market, there'll be more appreciation, but like anything less, like i if a house is like a hundred thousand and it's only renting for 900, for me personally, those numbers won't work.
1: Yeah, it's basically a function. It's a function of ca- how much cash flow you can expect off the property. You know, mm-hmm. you know, paying for itself. It's also a function of risk. Like back, back during the recession when people started really getting into real estate, everyone was like, "Oh, you know, you got to find a, a deal that's a two percent rule, meaning that you know the rent was two percent of the mortgage." And those are really rare right now. And they're, if you find one, it's probably in a really not nice area. <laughs>
0: Correct. And then it's about like projected versus what's actually going to happen so like my projected cash flows were much lower on all of my properties and that's because i took in vacancies i took in like um turnover costs i used all of those as like savings so like i was like i think i'm going to make less because my property is going to be vacant a month i think i'm going to make less because i'll have a one-year tenant and then i have to pay to get the unit turned over and cleaned up however when you buy in better areas where projected cash flows are lower um there's less of that. So then you end up having more money in your pocket. The inverse is true when you go into the worst areas where you think you're gonna get 2%. You know, you think you're gonna have all this cash, but why is it so cheap? It's because you're being paid to take on the risk of higher rate of evictions potentially, more vacancies, people being less stable, less responsible, breaking like putting holes in your walls and like breaking things in your place, which is all of those things are gonna be expensive. So I think like as, as people look to invest look to figure out how they want to do it. They, they need to understand how all of those kind of will impact their future lives because we're all, in, we're not doing this necessarily for like the money right here and now, like it's about the kind of life you want to live. So yeah. that, that's very important.
1: Well, and anybody who just listened I, and what you just said there was perfect. Like if you are somebody who's getting into real estate investing and you're sort of getting the, Hearing all the numbers and things like that, and being you know chasing the just the yield. Remember that the cash just yield, just <laughs> the cash yield. There's more to it than that, and you know, uh, bigger pockets. Brandon Turner. You know, one of the biggest things that I've ever learned is invest for cash flow. But <laughs> it's not just about the cash flow, and and we we've even sort of experienced with our rental properties, which is you also have a brand new renovated property in a, in a reasonably nice area, your expenses are going to be lower. They just Mm -hmm. are. I mean, you can count, we still count on, on all the, you know, the vacancy and the the CapEx and all that. uh, But it just goes, gets banked away into savings and it just keeps building and building and building. So Mm -hmm. rewind and listen to that last uh, three minutes or so.
2: (laughs) So, so, uh, you know, we just talked about how um, bigger pockets and you can read a lot of things and, and Hear all this, um, take that knowledge and do something with it, whether you do it the right way or the wrong way, maybe. <laughs> um, uh, but were there you know, were there any surprises that you ran into when you kind of took that knowledge and then put it into actual um, real life properties?
0: <laughs> yeah, how little I actually knew. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I spent like two years learning, but again, that's all theoretical. Like there's so many little nuances along the way and you so many small decisions to make that you don't, you don't realize you have to make it until you actually do it. And I'm still surprised, like things are always I'm, I'm working on getting a place in a contract now. And I have to be reminded of like simple things, even though I've done this multiple times already in the last two years, you know, so it's, it. I think the importance, I think what I want to highlight is the importance of like getting started once you think you have like enough information, because there's so much more to learn, you're never going to be done learning. Because if, if you keep, if you stay with the same sort of investments, you're not really going to be growing. Like you need to constantly be changing in order to like compete in an evolving market. You need to always be learning about new ways to do things because everyone else is, you know, so Mm -hmm. just continually working and understanding that it's, you're always going to feel like you don't really know enough.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Might as well take that first leap
1: yeah well one of the things i discovered when we bought our first property because we bought it we bought it with technically with cash using our heloc Mm -hmm. both properties and when you do that when you're not working directly with a lender a lender is one of the people who tells you hey uh do you have insurance on the property you've you've got insurance don't you and both times yeah. we've bought properties. I've been all of a sudden, like a week later, I've, you know, sat up bolt right in bed going, Oh God, there's no insurance on this property. You know, now it's fine. It turned out fine, you know, but you know, it, it's just the things you, it's just the things you forget. So, totally. And then you don't 100%. tell your wife about it until afterwards. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Is it I mean, things, things like that have,
0: things like that have happened to me. So I, I sell or finance my third property Um, I had asked if it was in a flood zone and I was told that it wasn't, um, only to find out after I purchased it that, oh, Hey, it's in a flood zone. Um, Mm. and the consequences of that FEMA flood insurance is like 5k a year that can totally wipe out any, any profits you make, you know? So, um, it's, I think that, especially when you're new, that highlights the importance of like having a team and people that you trust to, Mm. to catch you when, when you miss something.
1: Gotcha. So when you, this is a great segue, when you first started investing, you were living in Boston uh, Mm -hmm. and you very quickly made the decision not to invest there because it's just the price points just don't make sense. I
0: I mean, I couldn't until I was like 80.
1: Yes. Yeah. (laughs) yeah. Can you walk us through how you went about analyzing the different markets uh, and how you settled on Indianapolis?
0: Yeah. So um, I actually... (laughs) So I working in finance, like I'm all about spreadsheets and numbers and like one of my concentrations in my MBA was data analytics, although don't actually don't ask me to analyze anything like super technically, because I can't, <laughs> um, but I, I, I love data and I love numbers. Like, um, I think it's better to make decisions based on that versus emotions, because emotions can lead you like in every which way, right? So I, there were like 20 different cities I looked at in the U.S. And this is when I didn't know anything. So I was also looking at like the Austins and the Seattles, just curious. I figured they'd be too expensive, but like trying to see what like the numbers said about the economy, you know? And so I looked at at a bunch of uh, characteristics versus like the U.S. national average, like population growth, job growth, that sort of thing. And then um, started to just make a decision based on what... I wanted out of the market that I'd be investing in because I wasn't going to be I'm not doing this for one year or two years like I'm doing this for like 30 right so like what does the future look like what does it what am I reading that I think will impact the future like how how will this impact my investment that sort of thing and then as that kind of went on like I like the good school districts like Indianapolis has a bunch of good school districts you know and then the good school districts come lower crime rates you know and so knowing that there are more areas with lower crimes out in the suburbs, like that was, it was, that was a good fit for me, you know? And so, so things like that, I know other people look at things like days on market, but that was, I didn't care as much about that at that time being a buy and hold investor. Um, I can see that there's value in that, but just making sure that, that the characteristics I chose work for my wrist tolerance and the future that I wanted to build. And then after I, had, I, I think I, I narrowed it down to like a few c- cities. One was, Braided Sarasota, which is where I grew up, um, because I knew that market. It probably it doesn't necessarily fit in the good school districts, but like I had the backyard advantage. Mm-hmm. And then the two other places were Kansas City and Indianapolis. And Indianapolis was the place where I could like build that team, and um, I felt more comfortable in the long term stability of the market.
2: So that's where I ended up. So you did you move to Indianapolis?
0: Yeah, I moved here a year
2: ago. <laughs> I went all in. <laughs> nice,
0: nice.
1: Uh, now you're, you're able to work remotely for the company that you continue to work for in Boston? Correct.
0: Yeah. Oh, that's great. Yeah, I've been with them for, I've been with them for about two years before I moved. and. Um, had built like really good relationships and like worked really hard so they knew that they could trust that I would work and not um, eat ice cream all day if i was like, <laughs> working remotely
1: yeah. Yeah. Well, you're clearly not eating ice cream all day <laughs>
0: <laughs> i eat it enough but i just make sure I, I get stuff done at the same time <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. yeah
2: I think the world is finding out that people can work from home more than uh, more than they thought
1: yeah. yeah it'll be it's gonna be a really interesting shift and see whether or not this is whether it becomes a, a more permanent condition. Cause I think Google and Facebook and Twitter are all telling their employees that just work from home for the through the end of this year at least.
2: Some of them yeah. are saying you don't you may not have to come back at all.
0: <laughs> yeah, I think I think it's going to depend on what how this impacts their bottom lines. You know, mm-hmm. I think
2: well, you don't have, have to have an office. More, yeah. Yeah. If you don't have yeah. to have an office, you don't have to pay for you know Real that estate. that's an overhead cost that um you know that yeah. that you don't yeah. have to pay for. And so, yeah. you know, it might help their bottom line. It might also help them provide better benefits to their employees depending on how good the company is.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <Yes. Youngers laughs> yeah, good luck. Good luck.
2: Yeah. <laughs> I could be hopeful. I like, <laughs> yeah, I like I like your way of thinking. It
0: makes me feel better about the world. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah, and that, you know the the impact of COVID-19 has really hit people in the service industry, that's where it's really wow. impacted the people who are doing well, and we feel very fortunate, um, you know, that we both still have jobs. And a lot of a lot of tech workers. I mean, it's really, you know, if you if you're looking at how how this crisis is going to impact real estate, look in the areas that are hev- heavily dependent on the service industry and tourism. Uh, Las Vegas just came out, uh, or Nevada just came out with a, a report. Recently, that there are statewide unemployments at twenty eight percent right now, and it's high and it's That's highest, horrifying, highest in the nation. Uh, next closest is Hawaii at twenty two percent, and uh,
0: both service. is probably not or, far from there.
1: Yeah, Florida's probably getting hard hit hard, especially like Orlando. and Florida you know.
0: doesn't
1: mm. care. <laughs> <laughs> Florida man don't. Florida man don't care.
0: <laughs> I used to love that Twitter handle. Like, the I that used to
2: make me just laugh so hard. <laughs> oh, if you like that, sorry, slight tangent here, but um, let's do it on on Instagram. I don't have my phone. Um, his name is Ben. I think it's Brainerd, um, but I can shoot you the the Instagram handle. We'll put
1: it in the show notes.
2: Yeah, and this right. is for people. You know, if you if you don't like being made fun of as a a state (laughs) don't listen to it but or watch it he pretends to be like different states so and then also like Washington um so like he'll be like Washington he'll be like Florida what's going on with your you know with your state and like it's he he shits on Florida a lot but he's on he's in Florida like he lives in Florida I think he's from Florida (laughs) but yeah he completely makes fun but he makes fun of a ton of other ones like Florida and Georgia are like pals or not um yeah, I think it was Florida and Georgia. You know, it's funny. You should watch yeah. it. It's hilarious. They're yeah, I'll have to check that um, out. Thank you. They're they're really fun to watch. And I'm like Nevada. He hasn't put Nevada on there. It's mostly <laughs> yeah. it seems it, he's has like California and Washington and Colorado. But other than that, a lot of it's mostly like East Coastish oh, that's or what like is, no, that's southern, it's yeah basically. yeah. I keep I want to like send him. We just had like a uh, what is it a prince from um. You didn't hear this? Uh-uh. Um, oh God! I think he's from, like the like from Abu Dhabi. Literally, they invest here already. They own like part of the mm. um, city okay. center. They donated oh, wow. like two million dollars worth of test kits to Nevada because you know no one else is going to help us. Yeah. <laughs> we, needed, <laughs> we needed a oh, uh, we needed a prince to come in yeah, yeah. and give us test kits. Mm-hmm. And so anyway, oh yeah. my God that's really yeah. funny yeah
1: <laughs> so she sent me this is from this guy's uh instagram feed and he we'll sells these stickers all yeah this out no it's fine no. it's fine yeah. so uh it says florida smells like salt and illegal activity <laughs> no
0: that
2: sounds about right that definitely does yeah that's <laughs> yeah. that's one of his first quotes so anyway okay if you're into some comedy and you want to <laughs> you know, um, laugh while crying about how different states are dealing with this, yeah. then um, then that's a, a, a great account to check out. <laughs> I can't wait. Thank you. But yeah, yeah. Um, why don't you take the next question?
1: Okay. So uh, in our minds, you know, one of the biggest challenges to investing long distance uh, is building a trustworthy and reliable team. Um, how did you go about tackling that issue?
0: Through networking. Through networking and already educating myself so that I, I knew what I was looking for. And I felt like I knew what the answers should be so that I could tell if someone was kind of leading me in a direction that wasn't the best fit. Um, That can be a little bit tough, especially when you're a new investor, because like, I am very open to new ideas. Like I am very aware of the fact that I don't know everything. (laughs) Um, So I want to hear what other people think and what they're doing, but, and what they recommend. But the danger with that is that someone can lead you in a different direction. So talking to people, understanding like who is set to gain and what they're set to gain by the relationship and by what they're recommending and kind of being aware of that while having those conversations was was really important.
1: Yeah. What, um, who was the, who was the most important team member would you say?
0: My property manager hands down.
1: Yeah. And I and mean, I can, how'd you oh. specifically find him, her,
2: her <laughs> the, them they them
1: they
0: we don't have, yeah. have non specific no. pronoun yes gender neutral yes, yes. um so i f- i found her through networking um there were a couple other investors who i spoke with would work with her and who had um had really good success and recommended her and so once i once i reached out to her and was able to have that conversation and, and see how she conducted herself and um the way she approached her business, et cetera, et cetera. It it was clear to me from day one that that would be a very good fit. Um, So yeah, that, that was how I found her. And um, she's like a, she is the most critical member to my team because I can make, do all the research to have the best agent, get the best deals. But if my properties are being mismanaged or there are upcharges or fake, um, fake maintenance requests put in to make more money, like they're going my entire profits. I I have nothing left, you know? So. That's definitely the most important piece.
1: Was she the first team member you found, or was that probably maybe the yes. realtor? Okay, so yeah, you found no, found a good property I, manager first. Yeah,
0: yeah, because I knew if I didn't have a good property manager, I I wasn't going to be comfortable in that market. So that was the first person I looked for.
1: And uh, did you just was it just networking on Bigger Pockets? Did you go to RIA meetings? Yeah.
0: Okay. Yep. So uh, not being local at the time, I could uh, Bigger Pockets was like my saving grace. So I talked to just about anybody who would talk to me any investor and originally I talked to any investor period. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And then I started to narrow it down to people who had experience in Indiana, Indianapolis and stuff. So it was all through bigger pockets.
1: Gotcha. And do you have, do you have anybody in your back pocket? Cause I've always, uh, I've, one of the things that we often hear from people is like my property manager was great until they, they hit a certain scale and then they went a little crazy.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, I do. Ha- I mean, if I needed to, I, I think I know of people I could probably utilize at, at a quick turn, but um, I'm, I'm confident. I don't, I try not to spread myself too thin and have too many of those con like close contacts, because then it's kind of like, it turns into like a question of loyalty, this, that, and the other, you know, and like yeah. loyalty is really important to me. Everyone's trying to build their business. Like I scratch your back, you scratch mine. And if like, if you're super close, now I wouldn't say super close, but if like you're constantly making those business connections, it's kind of like, it, it can be a little weird, both for the person you're currently working with and also for the other person, because like, they also see as a potential business connection, but you never act on it. So like, are you just leading them on? Like what's, what's going on? You know? So it's just, it's really important for me to be like loyal and ethical and understand what that other person would want from the situation as well. You know,
1: when you, when you started down the path of getting yourself educated uh, on real estate investing, what would you say was the most critical thing that you learned um, that you didn't know before that has allowed you to be successful?
0: state investing is so multifaceted this is a little bit of a cop-out answer I really I'm really sorry but like I don't know that there's like any one thing that I can I can lean on yeah. you know I think I think the biggest thing that's helped me grow like I'm on a w2 income a single income like I've been able to grow to seven doors I think the biggest things that, that's helped me do that is understanding that there's different types of financing, in almost every one of my seven doors. And hopefully, I keep sending good vibes to this. If my next, if the deal that I'm working on comes through, like almost everyone is financed differently. So understanding what tools are in um, are available to you is mm-hmm. is very important. Understanding how financing works, but also doing doing so uh, in a response. Manner.
1: <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. Well, the, you know, I often hear that, you know, every deal has a price that it's going to work at yes. and that includes the financing. Like, and there's, yes. there's plenty of deals that will not work with the wrong financing. And so, uh-huh. so it's really, it's a, it's a, it's a real dance to figure out, okay, you know, we're, we're close. We're, okay. We are finally there on price. Now let's figure out how to, to basically close this out and, and then get the financing. Cause that's really the, that's the hard, that's one of the hardest parts in my mind.
0: <laughs> yeah, I agree. It's it's like such a puzzle, but the thing is that, which this makes it harder, but it makes it more fun is that it doesn't end when you, when you're done with the property, you know, especially in markets that are increasing this and that. And so like, I keep hearing, you know, so my properties are in like B plus areas. The first five doors were all in like that, um that same town that was like the adjacent, to the really nice areas and people are like oh you should sell you should sell you know like um it's just gonna appreciate you can't scale blah 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 but that's actually not true at all because i've found ways to strip out the equity so it's Mm -hmm. i can use that's what i've used to reinvest my last two properties you know like it's not actually money for my w2 income so it's like how do you get in the property but then how do you use the financing mechanisms available to you to keep growing yeah. because you can't just do it on your w two and I don't and maybe some people have more access to investors and stuff, but that can also be a little tough you know how do you how do you use what you have to grow so that you don't have to answer other people's questions that that can be really helpful to know.
2: yeah so you've gone through i've so you've used w two um funds. you said you did mm-hmm. seller financing and then yep. you did kind of like a a home equity um, yep. use of that. <laughs> no, that's great. Um, have you financed your deals in any other way? Uh, yeah. Okay. So yeah, so hold on. Yeah, there's the W-2.
0: And then the second purchase was a combination of W-2 and seller financing because they had two properties to sell. And I couldn't buy them both with cash. So that was negotiated. Um, that's when the seller financing came in. The next door was through house hacking. So I was able to get a conventional loan at 7% without PMI. Mm-hmm. Um, I had to talk to my lender to figure out how to get that PMI off the books. So I don't like PMI. Um, and then the last one I just purchased was a, this was a little bit scary at first, 100% other people's money. So I took on my first investor after having six doors and finally being in India, Apple's being able to oversee the rehab team. I was like, okay, like I can do this now, you know? Mm-hmm. So I took on an investor for the purchase, which is 75% of um, the total cash in. And then I use the HELOC on my personal residence um, and a little bit of cash to cover the rehab. Um, and then in about three months, if everything doesn't like just burn, um finance <laughs> that out.
1: <laughs> and so the plan on that uh, the the deal with the investor is they they put it, they came in at 75%, you brought 25% and the plan is to is to refi them out, correct?
0: Correct, yeah. and I probably won't even refi myself out a hundred percent, just because I don't want to be quite that levered. And I prioritize cash a little bit, so a little bit more. So I'll probably leave in like twelve thousand. Gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. So. We've
1: we've done that on um, pretty much both of our deals. The refi. I will say that my experience right now, we we were right in the middle of starting to refi when when covid hit and our lender very quickly called and he says all cash out refis are done right now uh and now i don't think that's you know you may find some banks that are willing to do it but it's uh we had to rather than go 75 percent loan to value we had to drop to 70 percent loan to value so we're gonna have to leave more money in the deal Uh, but it'll cash flow better now yeah
0: yeah, uh, it is what it is. I'll, yeah. who knows what's going to happen in three months. Yeah. So we're going yeah. to
1: have, just- and it will, you know, it's still a good rate and it's like 5.18, uh, you know, it's not
2: bad, it's not at, bad all. at all,
1: you know, for an investment property, um, yeah. you know, and that'll stay that way for 30 years. So, you know, can't complain. So. No.
2: All right. So what does a day in life look like for you? Obviously you still have a full-time job um but what what does that look like along with investing um so that
0: basically so it, this has been a little tougher with, with covid but like basic it usually involves me waking up really early so like i'm like which i guess is relevant so um maybe five five to six a.m so i can like get a workout in and i try to spend a couple hours or whatever doing like the real estate stuff and um when I say that it's, it's not necessarily on the properties that I already have, like those are still running. Like I'm, I've been working in the last year to develop a holistic business and not just hold a scattering of investments. So that's like website updates, like networking, reaching out to people via email, like answering emails, like trying to figure out what I need to be doing with social media, like all these, all these other different things that don't actually involve like the literal investments and then um, have like the work day from like eight to whatever, eight to five, eight to six, maybe longer. And then um, I'll take a little time off and I'll spend a couple hours at night rocking out, whatever else I have left on that to-do list with the real estate. Pretty long days. Yeah. Two years into it, like I have these rentals and honestly, like if I wanted to cut back drastically on my expenses and not grow so much, I could more or less live like an extremely frugal lifestyle without having to work, but that's not where, that's not where I am. So I think a few more years of this could put me in a really good position for the rest of my life. So willing to take that hit now.
1: Yeah. Well, again, what you're doing is you're front loading the work to be able to take a break and, and, uh, and have a better chance of, of getting there faster, you know?
0: Yes, exactly. Exactly.
1: So, uh, how many hours would you say you're spending on just real estate at plus, and you can include the
0: website and all that? Yeah, I would say, I would say, uh, I mean, it can vary. Let's say between two to four hours when I have, when I have a rehab going, I've started taking on the, some of the non-technical work in the rehab. So that can, that means like I'm got eight or 10 hours each day on the weekend as well. But there are other times where I don't do anything for like, a week or two at all. It just okay. depends on how much I want to do. Yeah, yeah, it's a common. It's, it's really hard to say.
1: No, it's a common answer. I mean, it's when it when you're in maintenance mode, it's almost no time at all. It's basically yeah. pick up a call from, answer an email from the property manager, uh, and then if when you're and in honestly process, not
0: even that. Yeah, yeah. Cause she's awesome. Like I and one of my units is a short-term rental, which also makes the work hard, makes it harder. You know, if I was yeah. to only do long-term rentals and was like in maintenance mode, I wouldn't have much of anything to do. It would be great. <laughs>
1: Yeah. We, so to cover, briefly cover the short-term rental, because Brittany and I are, are fairly experienced with short-term rentals, are you managing it yourself or is she managing that mm-hmm. for you as well?
0: No, I manage that myself. Yeah. I view that as a side hustle for a few years yeah. um, to make as much as I can.
2: Yeah. No. You said that was a, a medium term right now? Is that the... Yeah. 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 So you turned it turned like, a, like a corporate type rental kind of...
0: Kind of, yeah. Someone was in town. She works remotely. She wanted to be by her family for like two to four months. So.
2: Gotcha. Gotcha.
1: Okay. So, uh, I think I already know the answer to this, but, uh, is this the kind of thing that you could do for any if you decided, Hey, Indianapolis is too cold and, and snowy. I'm going to go and do this in Florida for a while because your job, a hundred
0: percent,
1: you can't, your yeah. job can work you know, you can work remotely. Plus your, your, rental, your rental portfolio is taken care of by the property manager. So.
0: Yeah, totally. Like I, I, I built this, um, while at a distance, I only moved here because I could, and because I wanted a lower cost of living and I wanted to grow this more quickly, but I could have easily continued doing this from Boston. And what I really like about, about this is like, I learned to do it at a distance. Therefore I can do it again at a distance. I can do Mm this. I can build this business anywhere, from anywhere. Um, so that's like a really important skill set, I think, to have.
1: Yeah. yeah. So do you have any other questions? No. Nope. Well, Sunitha, thank you so much for sharing with us today. It was great catching up with you again and hearing more of your story and, and what you're doing. Uh, if any of our listeners want to reach out to you and, and find out more about you, what would be the best way for them to do that?
0: Um, probably through my website. So that is Griffix Property Group, G-R-I-F-F-I-X Property com.
1: Okay. We'll put it in the show notes. Thanks for sharing with us today. Thanks for having me. Okay. That was Sunitha Rao from Griffix Property Group. You can check her out at GriffixPropertyGroup.com. It'll be in the show notes, but highly recommend you go and uh, reach out to her if you want to learn more about her.
2: Yes, it was really lovely to speak with her.
1: Yes. No, enjoyed. I had a great time with her in Colorado uh, back in February and it was great to catch up with her again. Yeah. She was awesome. Yep. All right. So you have a a key lesson learned from this interview.
2: Yeah. um, And I don't know. I mean, I don't know that this is like a super key lesson, but I, I like to pull things out that I feel like we haven't talked to talked about before. Mm -hmm. And um, I thought it was interesting when she was talking about building her team um, through networking. One of the things that she really did was um, uh, kind of make sure she knew what someone's job was and get an understanding of what that person would be doing so that when she spoke with them, she at least on a surface level knew if they were a good fit or not, if they were maybe going you know in a different direction than, than she felt like was um important or you know needed or whatever so she wasn't going to end up um either just with the right like not the right fit of a person or someone who was really like you know um intended on doing harm which i, I don't i'm sure no one is but like yeah yeah <laughs> um, so anyway i just thought that was an interesting um thing cuz i think a lot of us don't uh, don't necessarily know um that much about the other jobs necessarily um that, that you would think about doing that to, you know, most of the time we just get recommendations from other people, but if you don't have those or you have multiple recommendations, it's a great way to, to kind of weed through.
1: Well, and it can be important to, you know, I mean, it can be important to, to spend some time doing some of this stuff on your own before you look for help doing it yeah. and i don't mean that you should absolutely do this in order before you start investing but um get a feel for you know talk to somebody who's a property manager that you're not going to necessarily use i mean you know someone local to you if you're investing long distance talk to somebody local to you that you would not obviously use long distance and you know find out what are the things you should look for um same with a contractor you know so many people come in and and they just go they, you know, go to a contractor and say, Hey, I need this house rehabbed. You know, what's it going to cost? And the contractor goes, Oh, okay. Uh, $30,000. There you go. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, so just, you know, have some knowledge of, of what that's going to take. So. Yeah.
2: Did you have a lesson
1: that you, I did and it's nothing groundbreaking um, is that, you know, your, the hours in the day that you can work and produce income from your labor are limited. Uh, there's only so much you know there's only so many hours in the day that you can uh you can generate income from your labor so it's very important if you want to achieve financial freedom that you start looking for ways to generate income where mm. it's divorced from from your labor yeah. yeah um whether that be taking excess income and investing it in the stock market or buying rental properties um uh manufacturing selling massage oil i'm i don't know whatever you decide. <laughs>
2: <Such a> weird... <laughs> do you need a massage baby I,
1: prob- I probably do but they're not well you can give me a massage mm, but i cannot
2: Oh, no, sorry that's your job <laughs>
1: this is so unfair <laughs> all right, moving on so uh what was the key piece of knowledge that she had to learn
2: i don't know you actually have something written down okay like <laughs> so,
1: all right so uh Finance tools, the tools of fine, So there's so many different ways of of purchasing an investment property. So many people just think of the traditional twenty percent down, go to the bank, ask for a mortgage, and and go from there. Um, and you know that doesn't work for every deal. Mm-hmm. Um, and rather than have the lack of financing kill a deal. It's important to learn all the different ways that you can finance a deal. Yeah. Um, whether it be, you know, she used seller financing. She used some private money to acquire a property and then put some of, you know, and then she only put twenty five percent down, you know, uh, uh, with from a HELOC. So, I mean, there's just there's a lot of different ways to skin a cat.
2: Yep. Yeah. Um, Time, 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 time. Nope. No. Money. Money, 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 money. Does <laughs> it matter what order we do it in?
1: It doesn't. But last time we did that, we skipped it and, and uh, we forgot oh, about it. So. Okay.
2: All right. Money, 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 money,
1: money. Money. Uh, <laughs> she. It took her about thirty-seven thousand dollars to buy her first property, and she did that yeah. almost all from W-2 income. Yeah. yeah uh, she and that saved included. And saved yep. scrimpton and saved and. and saved. Yep, and that included the purchase price and some rehab costs. So
2: awesome. now
1: time, 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 time. Time. How much time uh, uh, do her real estate endeavors take?
2: Uh, she said probably two to four hours a day. Yeah, Splits, yeah. Uh, when, especially when she's like looking for deals, but also because she, you know, she has a website and she's really putting herself. Just you know, same as we are putting ourselves up as thought leaders or people that, you know, want to be in this space, um, not just doing it, but also sharing it. Um, so that sort of, you know, she's networking, she's doing all those things that can be really helpful. Um, whether you want to be a thought leader or not really, but, um, you know, can, can help you grow your business in all the ways possible. I don't know where I was going with this <laughs> sentence.
1: Our five-year-old keeps waking my wife Someone up. Someone come
2: take our five-year-old away.
1: Uh, we love him, but he is—he's a little bit exhausting right now because he's just got no outlet and. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Yes. All right. So, could she do this strategy from anywhere in the world?
2: Yes. Now that she is set up, which is the case with a lot of our our people, once they have a system, once they feel like they're you know, covered. And also, cause she did it from somewhere else, you yeah. know? Um, and, and that was really, I feel like that was probably important to her and is is important to her moving forward. Cause you know, she may not, I don't know if she'll decide to stay Yeah. yeah. in Indianapolis or not. It might be yeah. a great place for her, but we yeah. didn't really talk about that.
1: Yeah. And she's, she's also fortunate that she is able to work remotely right now. Um, and, uh, so she can, yeah. she can pick up and continue to work her W2 job, which is yeah. a wonderful luxury for her as well. Yeah. So, yeah. Okay. That's it for this week. That once again, that was Sunitha Rao from Griffix property group. Um, it was wonderful talking to her. Yes. We're doing this all again next week. Let's hit the road. Bye. Hey, before you go, if you like the show, we would be delighted if you'd head over to pod chaser and leave us an honest review. And do let us know why you like the show, how long you've been listening, and in particular, what you find really useful or entertaining. And let us know if there's anything you think we should change. Also, if you have specific questions about real estate investing, especially self-storage or short-term rentals, shoot us an email at info at com, and we'll be happy to answer your question on the show. We might even turn it into an entire episode. Thanks for listening. We're doing this all again next week. Until then, safe travels.